and welcome to In It Together, a podcast brought to you by Co-op and hosted by me, Yasmin Evans. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the difficult topic of saying goodbye to loved ones and asking ourselves why it's so hard to talk about death. Joining me today are mental health advocate Marlene Anderson, who has been so brave and so inspiring, speaking out about the loss she's experienced in her life and using her experiences to inspire young people to be open about their feelings. And I'm also joined by Reagan Drew, funeral director at Co-op, who's super passionate about helping people through the most heartbreaking of times. Um, Hey guys, how are you both? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Marlene. Reagan, how are you? I'm good, thank you. We're doing this via Zoom, as you know, I think many of us are very used to right now, which I think is probably going to be, it's going to be difficult seeing as the topic that we're talking about. I'm very much into having physical connections of energy, but um, we'll definitely try and speak about it the best that we can. So thank you so much for joining me today. So how have you been, Marlin, during this? I, do you know what? I'm, I, I've told myself to not use the phrases of like, during this time, unprecedented times, but this is what this conversation is probably going to be about. So we're going to have to just address the elephant in the room, which is yeah. a, a, a pandemic that we're going through right now. But with that in mind and, you know, all other things considered, Marlin, how have you been at the moment? No, I've been really good. In fact, given this opportunity, I've had to face this kind of healing process that I've been on and mm. what not better to be on your own with your own thoughts and address them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Reagan, how about you? I've obviously um, been one of the industries working through it. So yeah, it's, it's been difficult. It's been completely different from what I'm used to. But like everyone right now, we're just adapting and changing and getting through it together. There is nothing else we can do. We are literally in it together. I think that's what I found a little bit comforting as well, is that I'm, I've not been the only person. Don't know about you. I feel like although you're not really seeing people, there's just this massive pull. You're picking up to the phone to people that you would never phone and chat to and check in with normally. But I think there's just been this massive sense of coming together, like nationally. I think there's just been something heartwarming about it in a time of such uncertainty and it's been horrible but I do feel like just I don't know it's just been a weird sense of just everyone coming together. Yeah absolutely and now we are going to be discussing a difficult topic today and we're going to be talking about grief also going to be talking about how like you say Reagan that we've had to adapt especially with saying our goodbyes to our loved ones and um sort of how we've been coping with that but Marlon I wanted to ask you personally when I say the word or the term grief what does that mean to you uh, grief is quite a broad word it has so many meanings to it and I think it's just a, a kind of loose word to throw out there for for I guess in a sense of not being close to the people that you love and that and that you've lost yeah I, it's, a, it's a hard one I think yeah, I don't like I don't really like the term grief you know uh I'm quite spiritual in the sense of I can feel my loved ones around me you know and um yeah, I think if you use the word grief, you're acting like they don't exist anymore. But for me, I still I feel like they're there with me in everything that I do. Absolutely. To not use the term grief, what term would you use personally? I don't think there's quite a term for it. I just think that mm-hmm. when you lose someone in your life, it just it changes you as a person. You grow, you adapt, you're aware of it, but you you see things differently. You, you see life differently. And for me, grieving. It is up and down. It's it's not linear. You know, some days I could be okay. 
And some days I want, I want to cry and I think to my mum. And some days I'm cool and I forget about it completely. I mean, my dad died when I was about one year old. And I think about him often, even though I never met him. And I guess with my mum and my daughter, it's slightly different because they were quite recent. And I, I just think grieving is just a loose term for, you know, getting upset at certain times and then kind of getting back to reality and then getting withdrawn from reality. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the only word that is used to describe it. <laughs> yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think a lot of people, there is a, they attach negative thoughts to that term and that yes, word. Yes, 100%. That's it. And so feel like, oh, you've told me I should be grieving. So I should be sad right now. And then we get stuck in this whole, you know, of the negative bubble and then punishing ourselves. So when we want to smile and remember someone. So like whenever I feel sad or or I cry, I see it as that grieving bit is my mum or my daughter coming to see me and they're, they're just letting me know that they're around. So whenever I do get kind of sad or emotional and detached, it's almost like a little comfort saying, hey, you know, we're still here. Um, whereas yeah. I used to see it quite differently. I used to wallow in self kind of pity and that victim mentality of why me? Why did I lose my mum? Why did I lose my daughter? Why haven't I got a dad? And the more I delved into that, the more of a spiral it became. And I lost sense of who I was as a person. And they sure wouldn't want me to be doing that. So I really had to spin it around and see life differently through it and take any kind of positive I could have from from a bad, horrible situation. Yeah. Now you've been very open. I admire you so much, Marlon. And, and I'll be honest, the, there have been times where you've helped me. I've logged on and I've watched your IGTV. <laughs> I just think you are so, you're so Bless honest you. and so, so brave. And also I think it's really important that we have these conversations, but I've definitely, and still probably a little bit more now, I find it hard to talk about my loss in my life. And I'm very, I just want to smile and be positive all the time. And so, you know, I put this little mask on and I don't know about you, but you've been very open about that. You know, you put the the smile on and you, you make up and you, your nice outfit. And, you know, a lot of us don't really know what's going on inside. Well, I think that's probably the worst thing you could possibly do when you're trying to mask Mm. up your feelings and emotions. You're you're then suppressing how, how you should, you should be feeling. And that's part of the healing journey. The healing journey, it won't come from you trying to cover up how you feel. It comes from you going raw, going deep within and allowing yourself to feel a certain way and and to allow yourself to grieve, essentially. And without that, you become stuck. And that grief, you bottle it up. It's like we explode as humans. You bottle it up for so long and it's got to come out some way and somehow. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Reagan, you are in sort of a business where you, in a profession where you are in contact with a lot of families and a lot of people who experience loss. Why do you feel like we don't talk about it as much as maybe we should? I think it's that typical British thing, isn't it? I think we're reserved and we don't think it's, I don't know if we don't think it's acceptable, but I do think we need to get to that point of being, you know, that age-old thing of it's okay not to be okay and it's okay to tell people how you're feeling I think that's that's the most important thing if you're not feeling okay is seeking help or speaking to someone and even if it doesn't you don't think it's going to help you speaking to someone you sharing your experience helps so many other people yeah as a funeral director is this because the only time I've sort of dealt with organizing a funeral was with the passing of my aunt and that was the last person that I I lost in my family and I can't really remember much from it to be honest it's sort of like a blackout but do you work with the families on on how they're feeling and do you work on that process or is it sort of straight to the to the point so to speak 
we're definitely there for them, like to listen and them come in and see us. But we're not bereavement professionals by any means. We can point them in the right direction if they're struggling and they need a little bit more help. But, you yeah, know, we're here to listen, but we, we can only do so much. We're not trained professionals and we can never try and be, but we're here if they want to pop in for a cup of tea. We still have people, you know, after the funeral, when everyone stops visiting and calling as much, they, they need somebody and it's just a bit of company sometimes as well, you know, after the funeral even. We're here, we always say that. If you pop, if you want to pop in for a cup of tea and the amount of people that go, well, we're not coming in after, but they do, they come in for a cake and a cup of tea because they, they feel that bond with you that you've been with them on this journey and they still they still want someone to talk to because I think after it as well, a lot of us think people don't want to hear us continue talking about them after the funeral. You maybe feel you're burdening or boring people. And I think sometimes they have that connection with you that they know you through that and they want to come in and just have a chat and talk about their husband or their wife just a little bit longer. That's what we're here for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important to note that there are so many ways to celebrate someone just like you were saying earlier Marlin that you go through so many different feelings and I think sometimes we may feel that we're restricted to one singular goodbye in inverted commas which I hate using that term because it's it's not and like you say Marlin that I'm very much like you is that I I always feel my loved ones around me yeah and I would hate (laughs) I would hate to feel that I've said goodbye that that's not no that's not the point (laughs) I can reassure you there. Um, for instance, when my mum passed, I was with her for the week when she, when she died. Um, I was downstairs. We brought her back from the hospice and uh, I was lying with her. And I was obviously, death is a strange thing. And essentially, she died of starvation due to her stomach cancer just spreading, taking over her stomach. And so each day we'd lose a bit of her. She'd lose certain senses. But obviously, the last to go is her hearing. And I was speaking to her and speaking to her until the final day when she took her last breath. I actually witnessed her breathe for the last time. And instantly within that second, I could just feel her soul leave her body. Like I just saw it. And then suddenly it's just a human body. It's just flesh essentially. And it's just gone. But then that's when I started questioning life and seeing things very differently. And when she got taken to the funeral directors, I said, I want to see her. You know, I'm very curious. I'm a curious person. I love, I love to know. I love asking questions. I love knowing things. And I saw her and I just went, that's not my mum. Oh, goodbye. You know, and I just walked out of the room. I looked at her and I said, she's not there, but she's with me behind my shoulder now. Yeah. And I think we all take things differently. We all see things differently. But for me, I, I knew that she was still around me and, and that that was just a kind of shell. And that wasn't a goodbye. The funeral was just a celebration. It wasn't a goodbye either. You know, whereas some other fam- um, family members, they were like, oh, it's our final goodbye. I was like, no. And even to this day, I see white feathers on the floor. I have little signs. I see doves often, we let doves off, off at a funeral. Oh my gosh, I'm so in tune with it. Like, And ironically, my mum was scared to go because she was like, what are you going to do? How is going to look after you? You know? Yeah. And I've grown so much from her death. I've become so independent. I can definitely <laughs> relate. I think it's so important that we do continue having these conversations. But like I said, there's... This, it's it's strange because I feel like for me it's kind of like a catch twenty two. Like I I want to speak about it and then I get to a point and I'm like oh and I just seize up. I just like and then I, I can't go any further than that. For you, Marlin, what at what point or at what points do you feel like okay? I just need to lay it out. Like how in like what, yeah, how do good, you find that output? Good question. I think I spoke a little bit when my mum died, and then I think when my daughter passed away, for me that was just like the ultimatum. I was like, "What is going on? Why has this happened to me?" And I think 
the ultimate therapy for me was actually speaking about it on my platform and helping other people with my with my loss and my pain. And the more I spoke and delved into the depths of grief and my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, what I was going through, more people would reach out and say, God, this is me too. And the more I wanted to speak. And I, I truly believe that through all the pain I've been put through, there's been a bit of light in the situation where I've shed light on other people's lives and I've helped them draw closer to, to what they're going through. And that has truly got me through my hardest times speaking about it. Yeah. Regan, is there any think, you know, because when we speak about funerals, I think, especially in my mind, I just think quite grim. traditional using that that word, very grim, wearing <laughs> yeah. black, it's dark, it's rainy. And like for you as there, how can we be different with it? How, especially right now, I mean, for anyone that's listening to this episode right now on this podcast, the co-op on their website have so many different things that you can do now from, you know, how to have specific eulogies and keepsakes, how people can attend. Uh, For you, Regan, has there been anything sort of like like in your memory you thought, oh, that's, that's different. I like that. I like the way they've done that. I mean, we always try and encourage personalised services. I lost my own aunt three years ago. Um, She had Williams syndrome, she had special needs, and she was a big part of my life. She passed away on the 4th of July, and we just had to make it super special for her because she was just this big character. Um, Everyone wore red. It was her favourite colour. She has a toy poodle, so I walked in front of the hearse with her toy poodle. Um, and we had Christmas music in July because she was Christmas daft and people had Christmas jumpers on, which sounds bizarre, but you know, it was so nice. And um, we actually just had a funeral two weeks ago and the gentleman that passed away was a big local character and he always turned up at his local football games and crazy onesies. And that's what he was known for. So our funeral director and all the staff wore onesies. She walked in front of the hearse with a onesie on and it was just like a nod and a touching tribute to him. Um, And it's lovely to be able to do things like that. I love funerals that have the family pet and music you wouldn't expect. And you have people that dance during the service. I had ABBA once in the service and everyone got up to dance the dancing queen at the end. I love all that. I think that's what it's about. We're only saying goodbye to their physical presence and committing their personality to our memory at the end of the day. And, you know, they live on through us and through our stories it's important we do keep telling their stories but the day it should be about celebrating the rest of their journey you know just not with their physical being absolutely and there's nothing wrong with saying it's a celebration at all I don't think like a no there I come I come from a, a West Indian Jamaican background so um we have a tradition where we would have something called nine night and nine night is nine nights of celebration and and mourning and just reminiscing on a person. Uh, more often than not, you would have the funeral service and there would be an open coffin. We would have parties. We'd eat good food. We'd get yeah. drunk. <laughs> we It's basically a rave. I can't lie. <laughs> and just a celebration of someone that we absolutely loved. And that's just something that, I think should not just be in, you know, a West Indian 100%. Jamaican place at, at all. But who decided and, that? Who decided it should be where black yeah. and how it should be morbid and we should have a, a, a service? And I mean, yeah, essentially death is it's, it's horrible. 
but we we're celebrating their lives, but their soul lives on. So like essentially we're just saying everything stops there, you know, and life stands still. But it's, yeah. I think, and my mum told us all to wear like colours and my dad was like wear yellow um, and I wore white to my baby's funeral. You know, all of us wore white. So yeah. I'm wearing yellow today, Marlon. You can't see it. I don't know if you can see. Um, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> oh, you can. <laughs> so obviously when it came to the passing of your mother, Marlon, you obviously had a lot of time with her, but when it came to your daughter, how old was your daughter when she passed? So she was a month old. So I stayed at Great Ormond Street in the parent accommodation with uh, me and my ex at the time. And um, yeah, and I was literally living at the hospital. It was okay. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was just, it was pretty much my mum. I die. I laugh away. I, I, I laugh because I just, it's just my way of like talking. About no, absolutely. It. I'm just, I, I laughed at the funeral as well. <laughs> I mean, it, the emotions of grief are just ridiculous. They're just spontaneous different stages of grief I think is really really interesting to speak about because I feel like there's probably hundreds of different ways and Reagan you probably see them physically you feel them as well what is has been your experience Reagan about uh, when it comes to the different phases and how how as a funeral director do you do you deal with that I think it's important to remember everyone grieves differently I think there's this conception that my job consists of people coming and crying all the time. It's not, you know, for some people, it's a relief. Some people deal with grief's humour, as we've just said, you know, people come in and you can actually have, like, a really good conversation and a laugh, which is something that horrifies people to think. But, you know, it doesn't have to be crying all the time to show that you're grieving. We all deal with it differently. Um, it's important we do deal with it because it rears its head later down the line if you don't. So it is important to check in with yourself and take note of how you're feeling during it. But just because you don't cry doesn't mean you're not sad. It doesn't mean you're not hurting. Um, it's just important to acknowledge, you know, that you've lost someone and how you go down the line of dealing with that. We can see someone that comes in and they're a good laugh on the day and then you see them another day and they're, you know, they're in bits or they could be in bits coming and see you initially. But by the time they leave the arrangement and they've spent a couple of hours with you, they're a lot lighter. I think a lot of it as well is the pressure of wondering what someone would want if they don't know. It's horrible to try and decide what someone would want for their final send-off as such, you know, if you don't have a clue or you've never done it before, you know. It's something that we don't all have to do every day, thankfully, but that's why we're here. We're here to keep you on track and keep notes and keep you going through the, you know, the time we spend with you up until the funeral and after. Yeah, absolutely. Marlon, when it came to the passing of your family members, how did you organise the the celebration of their lives? Uh, baby's funeral, I didn't want to have anything to do with it because I was in like crazy shock. I was carrying a little girl for like seven months and then suddenly she just died. So I was in denial with that for quite a while. So my ex's family organised most of that. And my mum's funeral, we as a family, we kind of did it. My brother, weirdly, on the day of the funeral, went up and lied in the bed and didn't want to come down to come to the service. And that was his way of dealing with it. Me, I was there, I was present, I just got really drunk. The emotions were strange. The stages of grief for me were different with each time. I turned to alcohol at the beginning quite a bit to numb numb the pain that I was in. I partied a lot. Um, then there was a stage of just being alone, isolating myself. There was a suicidal attempt, you know, not wanting to live anymore. And then there was just the strength I must have got from them. Woke up one day and I was like, I either live or 
you just go, what's, you've got to choose one. You're not, you're not living right at the minute. You're living just to cope. You're just coping to live. So, um, yeah, I just chose to find strength and just decided to sort my life out. And then my purpose just came to me and that was to help and serve other people with the pain. And that, that actually got me through most of my uh, kind of darkest bits, darkest moments. What was the moment where you, where you felt uh, and found your purpose and everything changed? It was when I came back on social media after like, taking four months off or something after my little girl passed and I just spoke about how I felt. And then everyone was, everyone was just like, wow, that's how I feel too. You know, and I just felt like I was shedding light on a situation, as you said, that isn't spoken about. And then that led me to talk about eating disorders that I'd gone through. Then it led me to talk about domestic abuse. And it, it led me to talk about every little bit of pain and journey and trauma that I've been on in my life and to shed light on it because no one wants to speak about it. Everyone thinks social media is a perfect world. It's not. And I wanted to be that person to crack that and to, to just free it from that, you know, and to, to be real and speak my truth. And it's worked. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and I can vouch for that because I've, like I said, I've, I've watched some of your IGTVs oh, and your Instagram lives and yes, you are just so <laughs> lovely. And I think it's great now that we're probably being, I, I, I actually feel like this time now <laughs> has made me feel way more comfortable about being honest on social media because we know that the these last few months have been incredibly difficult and different and unfortunately because of COVID-19 there have been a whole heap of restrictions on our lives on how we connect with people uh families our friends our business and you know, for the people who, who in this time have not been able to have the goodbye that they would have wanted for their family members or friends, or even been able to see them. Like I have had friends who unfortunately really said one of my closest friends lost his father and wasn't even able to go to the hospital to be with him. Mm. And it just, it just breaks my heart. But how do we get around this then now? How, how are things starting to be different for us Reagan how the, the co-op is offering so many beautiful things in different ways of us to um to almost get what we want and try yeah I mean we're here to help organize um celebrations of life after it's difficult there's been restrictions of you know just 10 people attending a funeral that's so hard to tell people and so hard, especially at the start and um, during this, being able to have to say to someone, you can't visit your loved one because of COVID-19. I mean, I can't even describe the first couple of weeks of this for us whilst we adapted to the new sort of normal. It was awful. I'm not one for numbers, but these numbers are massive. We reckon that over 130,000 bereaved families have lost someone during lockdown. Um, one in five of us have suffered, suffered a bereavement during lockdown and one in 10 of those being COVID-related. Now, that is massive. That is, you know, what they're expecting to be a grief pandemic on the back of this because people haven't felt that they could grieve properly during this time. They've not been able to say goodbye to someone. That must have a massive mental impact. Absolutely. It's, it's huge to, to not be able to say goodbye to your loved one. And mm. I don't know if there's maybe a sense of guilt feeling that you couldn't give them the funeral service they wanted. They wanted a Catholic service or a service in a, a church somewhere. And that they've not been allowed that. They've had a small burial or a small cremation. And, we you know, we try our best to say we can help you arrange something at a later date. But the there and then, that doesn't help with how they're feeling, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
I wanted to um, ask you, Reagan, when it comes to the the funeral and the or the celebration of someone's life, and people do want to have the service and be a part of it. Um, I was looking on the website and there's some, there are some lovely photos. I really love the photo of everyone sort of printing out a photo and putting it on the chair in the service to, to feel like they were a part of it. But like you say, it's just not having that same connection with webcast technology has helped massively during this, you know, as we were seeing we're doing this over Zoom today and, um, it makes so much, so many things more easy now. Um, doing it this way it's not the same watching a funeral on tv at home but hopefully they'll have somewhere that they can all go and feel some connection if they feel that they didn't get it on the day of the funeral now i know that we don't know dates and we're not really very sure about what's going to happen in the future and in fact i think we're all just a bit confused aren't we as to, as, as to what's going on but can you see it going back to what it was before or do you think it's it's kind of good that we've got this uh, adjustment I think a lot of things a lot of industries will have changed forever after this and I don't think we're any different than any other industry what's been lovely is people reverting back to the old tradition of stopping when a hearse passes people lying in the streets to clap it as it goes past and that's been amazing I know it's been hard for people to have limited numbers during this time, but there's also something nice about having it small and intimate. You know, I mean, for me, I would like no one in attendance to my funeral and everyone just have a big party on one of my playlists after. That would be what I'd want. And, you know, we'll maybe go down that line. People are opting for direct cremation and co-ops being the first big business to launch direct burials, no one in attendance. We might see a rise in that, but people just want a big celebration after and there's nothing nothing wrong with that times are changing and we have to change with that so yeah we're here to give people the best send off in whatever unique way they want that but I do think things will change definitely for the better maybe I don't know um but they'll change in some way anyway moving forward yeah I definitely think so I don't know about you both but I've been self-isolating by myself and I haven't seen my mum all year and I've seen my friends social distance um but it's like I've just felt really connected to people and made way more of an effort to stay in contact with people yeah I mean I mean people that were meant to be in my life who I thought were like my close friends I hardly spoke to I've shifted you know I've shifted them out of my life because Mm -hmm. the people that I wanted to speak to I consciously made an effort to talk to I connected more with myself, to be honest. Yeah. I connected more with, like, within me as a person. And I think that was what was more important than trying to FaceTime people constantly to fill time with boredom. I think I took time out, read books, got a lot of self-development in there. But yeah, in terms of connecting, I, I got loads of my works elevated. Like, my career's taken off during lockdown. It's just strange. Strange things have happened. But it's a huge shift in the whole world. I think we all needed this to kind of wake us all up. Yeah. And to see what is important in life and what is what is um, important for us as humans and that's to to be to be good to each other and to to realize that what life is really about you know we I used to care about things that I shouldn't have cared about before you know and um, being left alone with your thoughts and stuff like that 
And when you get luxuries taken away from you, for instance, going to the supermarket, going shopping in person, you get that back and you, you get more gratitude. And I think gratitude is what makes the world go around. And I think we need more of it. Yeah, absolutely. At the beginning of this conversation, Marlon, you, um, when I asked you, how has it been? You said that, you know, you've, uh, it was difficult. And I think a lot of people may have yet again been faced with the loss of someone that could have been many years ago or some time had passed, but yeah. then, you know, you're alone with your thoughts. I've definitely experienced it. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. During this time. The first week in, I was like, what's going on? Why is my freedom being stripped from me? Why am I not allowed to go to the shops? Why am I not allowed to drive? It was all this change happening super quick. I was like, I was uncomfortable. I cried a lot. Then the second stage of it was like, okay, now I miss my mum. Just came out of a domestically abusive relationship, which I was battling court for the past two years with. That was on my mind. So many things that I was left to face and deal with. And I'm so thankful for it because I've now come out of lockdown and I'm thriving because I actually went through the motions of it all. I, I find it, I just find it so difficult. I, my biggest fear is, is dying. Is it really? Yeah. I think it's hard to think that at some point, like I'm one of these people, like I'll look at the sky like last night and I'll go, it's so big and to think that this world is so huge and then you think like who calls the road a road and a car a car and then you think you know and then we're just not here anymore I lost yeah. Yeah. Gran in February and that that was so difficult and it's just watching her die thinking you're just when I wake up in the morning you're just not going to be here anymore and then it's just that bizarre concept but as we sort of say you know if you feel them around and you know mm. I don't like when people say they're in a better place like I hate that but yeah no it just it's a bizarre concept that someone just is here one minute and they're not the next. You shouldn't, you shouldn't fear death at all. I know. And, and you know what? It's so, it's so crazy because I'm such a spiritual person, but I think maybe that's like a part of my personality. That's a little bit controlling of, of like the not knowing of and, and not having control over when I'm going to go, I'm just going to go. And that's my time. I think that that's what it is. I think it's trying to have faith that you'll go on to something else. You know, it's thinking about that this won't be the end. There's got to be, I believe, there's got to be something more than this. Absolutely. Absolutely, there's something afterwards. But I, maybe that's my, the con- control freak in me, not, not knowing what it is. <laughs> the fear of the unknown. It's Okay, I used to fear death. How did you get over that fear? I think I stopped fearing death when I realised that the soul kind of leaves the body and it, it surrounds us. And I used to believe in that theory of heaven and hell. Right. Classic Christian family background thing. And, and then when I saw my mum, how it was just an empty shell, I, I instantly stopped fearing it. And I, I realised that our kind of death, there comes a point in our life when it is our time to go. And I think it's written out for us. It's, we need to make the most of being in the present moment and not living in that fear bubble. Because now when we live in that fear bubble each day, we're ruining our, our time here on earth. So we've been speaking about how we have dealt with loss, how we celebrate our loved ones, you know, within this time right now, with it being very difficult, funeral providers working hard to create social togetherness at a safe distance, you know, asking what grieving will look like after lockdown. In this final bit, what what sort of messages of hope can we offer to people who are experiencing loss right now, Reagan? What what would you say? I think, you know, hopefully we will get back to some form of normality. Um, as we were talking, we just feel so, we were saying, you know, how we feel so connected to everyone right now. I know it's maybe not 
what they want to hear just now, but they're not alone. You know, there's a lot of people going through this and we're here to support and help and do what we can so that once restrictions are lifted, if we can do anything at all to help make a celebration of life happen and continue making it special, you know, we'll do our very best to help during this and hopefully we'll get to some form of normality soon and can continue supporting our families in the way that we always have, which was always giving them everything we could. And um, we miss that human touch with them as well, not being able to shake their hand or, you know, that that's, we hand squeeze, you know, on the day that we know that everyone just needs that human touch. We miss all that too and we feel all that too. And hopefully we can get back to, to doing that and comforting them a little bit more on a a more personal level moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And Marlon, you have said throughout this conversation that, I mean, I love the term thriving. I just think it's, it's like a word that's got glitter around it. And during this time, you, you've said, you've expressed that you've gone through the stages. And for those that are listening now that are wanting to be at the point where you are at, where you're thriving, what, what sort of advice i guess would you would you say to them um go through the motions allow yourself to feel the sadness don't try and numb your pain and reach out use these resources there are so many charities out there there's cruise there's sand there's winston's wish for teenagers that support and grief there are so many and you know what reach out to your closest loved ones because they want to be there for you and talk about it talk about the death talk about the grief talk about your feelings I think as humans, we find it quite weary talking about things like that because we don't think people want to hear it. Like friends I want to mention talking about my like loved ones going away because I think it's going to upset me. Yeah, I want them to talk about it, you know? So I think speaking up is so vital for our healing process. The more we talk, the more we come to terms and acceptance and the more we kind of, we heal through it. I think that's the most important thing. And another thing is journaling. I journal a lot on my feelings and my thoughts and my emotions and I look back uh, like two years ago when I used to journal through the pain I was going through and it just shows how far I've come and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. And I think as uh, for people who are listening as well, that a lot of us feel things differently and sometimes not necessarily to our friends and family members. I, I have to say that a lot of people probably during in the last few weeks or a month or so, you know, we have taken in a lot of social media and we definitely seen of things that are happening in other parts of the world and people are feeling trauma and could possibly be grieving someone that they don't actually know. And that's okay too. The whole point is for us to continue these conversations and like you say, Marlon, talk about it, which I just think is amazing. And just because you don't know a person does not mean that you can't feel the sadness as if you've lost one of your own, especially if you look at that person and and you see yourself and you see your mother, your father, whoever, and you relate to them. I mean, if it's talking as in therapy, if it's counselling, if it's talking to a friend, if it's speaking to strangers online, if it's sharing your journey with other people on social media, if it's writing, if it's expressing your feelings through creative writing or art or put, whatever, whatever helps you do it, whatever makes you feel whole and that little bit more whole, do it. And just be kind to yourself as well. You know, I think we put pressure on ourselves to fix things really quickly and to be okay really quickly. But that's not the point of our journey. Our journey is to just ride it and feel it and just kind of live through it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So to anyone who's struggling with grief, we are all here for each other. 
We're here to support you. You can contact your local co-op funeral care as well. Um, the home for access to range of bereavement resources from books to DVDs. Uh, you could also reach out to Cruise, a national bereavement charity who we work with to provide special specialist bereavement support. And if you're meeting people like Reagan, you're in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> ladies thank you so much for taking the time out lovely to speak to you thank, thank you. you thank you an absolute pleasure marlon and and i hope to meet you a great closer distance girl we are definitely meeting 100%. <laughs> absolutely uh, marlon continue to thrive please thank you, you too <laughs> and reagan thank you so much uh for speaking so passionately about this and and uh thank you to everyone that's been listening Thank you. See ya. Bye. If you've enjoyed this week's episode of In It Together, brought to you by Co-op, then tune in next week when I'll be joined by broadcaster Anita Rani and Co-op's Environment Manager, Ian Ferguson, to ask the big question, is plastic really that bad? In It Together, brought to you by Co-op. All views are those of our guests and not Co-op. Co-op.